0: Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. What a goal! Sensational! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. The world is left to wonder. Wide-eyed, thrilled, bemused. How on earth did that happen?
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Liebhoff. This is our... Third world cup preview episode. This one will go over our favorite tournament futures. If you want to get into our deep dives through all eight groups, you can do that on this channel, but this one will be a little quick hitting. We'll go over our favorite bets to win the tournament and you know, reach the final semis, etc. Our favorite bets for golden boot, golden ball, and other player specific futures. And before I bring in my co-hosts, Anthony DeBundo and BJ Cunningham, a reminder that wonder goal is presented by bet. Three, six, five, the world's favorite sports book brand sign up with promo code action to get bet365's exclusive sign up offer in new jersey and colorado bet one dollar on any game get 200 free bj and anthony let's start with the big kahuna to win the world cup i'm going to run through the odds real quick as they stand at bet365 now brazil's a favorite they're four to one. Argentina, second favorite, plus 550. France, six to one. England, eight to one. Spain, just behind them, plus 850. Germany's 10 to one. The Netherlands, 12 to one. Portugal, 14 to one. Belgium, 16 to one. Denmark, 28 to one. Then we get to a little bit of a jump here with Croatia and Uruguay. They're both 50 to one. Senegal's 80 to one. So are Serbia, Mexico as well. Switzerland, 100 to one. Poland, 150 to one. The United States of America, 150 to one, Canada, 200 to one, Ecuador, 200 to one. So are Morocco, Wales, Cameroon is 250 to one. So is Ghana. So is Japan. So is Qatar, the host. So is South Korea. Then Australia is 350 to one. Iran, 500 to one, Tunisia, 500 to one. And then the two biggest long shots at 750 to one piece, Costa Rica and Saudi Arabia. Anthony, I read through them. Let's start at the top. If you're betting a team inside, basically inside Denmark, so we'll, we'll say Denmark starts the next year. any team below 28 to one, who are you backing?
2: It's really tough to say uh, this year because I think there's, there's no dominant team. I think Brazil is clearly the best team on paper. Everybody went insane when the draw or when the, when the roster came out and you're like, if you just took the next 10 players from Brazil who didn't make the World Cup team, and then put them on the same team, they would probably be good enough to get out of, the, of any group in this World Cup because they have so much depth everywhere, so much talent. Vinny Jr., Neymar, Rodrigo, and, and Antony. And, and it is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Bruno Guimaras and Lucas Paqueta. So Brazil's the best team, but you don't make money betting the World Cup by betting on the favorite in a single elimination knockout tournament. Brazil was the best team going into the 2018 World Cup, most people thought at least. And then you know they got soccered against Belgium. Lost 2-1. So they went out. So I I tend to look at this from a process of elimination point of view. Why can't Team X win the World Cup? For England, it's the midfield pairing and the manager for me that I'm a little bit concerned with them. Argentina, are they good enough without the ball? I think there's question marks regarding that. I think they have a very complete team, but there's always the defensive question marks too. Then you start looking down the list. France we talked about it on our group preview pod we think france is a little bit vulnerable we don't think that they uh, are as good as the sum of the parts necessarily when you look at the talent and you compare that to their performances at the euros it wasn't that great and even going back to the world cup yes they won the world cup and they were awesome but a lot of set piece goals went into that so i think you can make the case that maybe they're not quite as good as as that world cup win is suggesting and you keep going down the list germany defensive issues the one team that i settled on doesn't have the best path. That's the scary part here, but I think that they are, they were the best team at the euros by expect a goal difference. And of course we know that they're going to be solid defensively. They're always going to have the ball. They have a ton, a ton, a ton of midfield depth, which I think is the most important thing in this world cup because of the condensed it is and the heat. I like Spain plus 850. They're my long shot. They're my, they're my favorite, favorite BJ is pumping his fist. So I think I'm out now, but, uh, but, I just think that look there's going to be flukes and there's going to be variants either way. And the argument against Spain is that they don't have the finishing. But like they were still a penalty shootout from the world, from the Euro final last year where they would have been a favorite against England. They should have won that match against Italy. They were clearly the better side. Like there are flaws in this Spain team I think, but when you look at the paper on paper I think they have the fewest of the flaws of the top, top teams in this competition. So give me Spain. I understand that they're probably gonna have to be Brazil in the quarterfinals to get there. If they win the group, if they come in second, they might even get a better draw. So it gets more interesting that way, but look, it's the world cup. You're going to have to beat the best teams to win it. France took out Argentina in the round of 16. They took out uh, England. They took out Belgium, clearly a, a very good team. So I'm going to take Spain as my favorite, favorite of the teams
1: yeah I mean it, it does beg mentioning as you said you, you don't really make money betting the favorite but the World Cup does tend to be pretty chalky in terms of who wins it however, we do see long shots go far we'll see we've seen uh, Uruguay they made a, a semifinal about 12 years ago Turkey and uh, South Korea in the same semifinal this was before you were born Anthony back in 2002 and, and that was just a I am a, not that young a, a bananas World Cup uh, in South Korea and Japan they eventually would, would lose in that round. So we will see teams go on runs. It's just eventually one of the, the big dogs usually does take it. I, I like Spain too. If I'm I'm taking a team up there, I actually don't mind Portugal. I like another team in their group too, as a, as an outright, because here's the thing with Portugal, it, it has to click. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't click there, the, the floor is very low. And if it, but if it does click, like it did in the Euros in 2016, when everyone this it was a similar conversation around the. That team. was a luck
2: box run, though. Come on. Well,
1: what do you need to do in a tournament? This is a tournament. They they drew, they drew, but they I, drew, they got through, and it's just like they
2: only won one match in
1: regulation. I know, and and they but they won the tournament. I'm saying if if things click for this team, we know the talents there. It's the numbers probably not high enough. I probably won't bet it. It's Spain or Portugal for me at this at this section because I think every other team, like you said, if you're betting a favorite. If you're you're betting these prices, they they all have too many flaws. Uh to, it's it's too wide open. That's why I would prefer just just almost bypass it. BJ, you're yeah, coming I mean, here. I, and we, I mean we know argument, we know we know you're gonna be betting England. Yeah, I know. We know you're gonna no, be I, wanna, I wanna
0: say a point about Portugal. The argument for Portugal is a path argument, right? Right. Because even though we don't like Portugal, if they win the group, they have a pretty favorable path to at least get to the semis, right. To play England or to play France. So for me, I, I'm, I agree with you guys. Spain was the first team essentially that I landed on. Again, the path isn't great, but like Anthony mentioned, like they were the best team at the euros, like sent throughout world Cup qualifying and the euros second best expected goal differential per 90 only to England. They're incredibly possession dominant. Like they're slow, they're intricate and everything like that. But what they do is they adopt a lot of principles of like what Pep Guardiola does at Manchester city where they invert their wingers. Like they, they really like they're the most accurate passing team in this entire tournament. So it's very, very hard to get the ball off of them. And then, yeah, finishing is one thing we'll get to Alfred Morata in the golden boot segment. But yes, I, Anthony also mentioned that the midfield of Rodri, Thiago, Pedri, Gavi, Carlos Soler, Sergio Busquets, Koke, like any combination of that is, is incredible in the midfield. It can play with anybody in this tournament. So I agree with you guys. Plus eight fifty, I think is, is a little too steep are a little too a little too long on, on Spain, honestly. I think they should be around the second or third favorite to win yep. this tournament. You know, everybody's going to talk about Argentina, the unbeaten run they've been on, and that's going to be, you know, essentially the talking point that they'll have. But if you go through their results, like, yes, they won Copa America. Like, they weren't particularly great against Brazil in that final. Like, they haven't really played the most difficult of competition throughout their run. Like, they're only a plus 0.9 XG differential per 90 in South America. While Brazil is up at plus 1.4. So it's not like they... There's actually quite a little bit of a gap between them and Brazil. And also, in full ro- roster talents, I don't think they're one of the three, four best talented teams in this tournament. Messi. Like, yeah, he's Lionel Messi, but guess what? He's 35 and he's been injured for PSG, so he's not going to be 100% coming in this tournament. I know that's going to come back to bite me, but still, it has to be mentioned. Now, why I love England to win the World Cup. <laughs> um... <laughs> we could just clip your Euro yes. preview and put it yeah, right back Yeah, you just in clip my here. Euro preview where I, I gave out England at 7-1 to and they lost on penalties. Here's the reality is that, yes, Gareth Southgate tends to play a more slow, conservative, possession-dominant style that I know a lot of English fans don't like. And they think it hinders their attacking you know, prowess. But the reality is, is they've been the best defensive team in Europe. Like I already mentioned on our other podcast, they didn't concede a goal in the Euros until the semifinals, like throughout world cup qualifying, they've only allowed five expected goals. Like they are an incredible defensive team. And I actually think their their midfield pairing of Bellingham and rice is, is outstanding in this type of tournament in terms of guys who can not only stop opposing counterattacks, but also progress the ball, control the tempo, of how England wants to play. They should pretty much cruise through their group. And the reality is, is in this tournament, you're going to want to be on the bottom half of the bracket, right? Because the top half, it's probably going to be Brazil. It's probably going to be Spain, Argentina, the Netherlands. Who we also like, you know, in terms of maybe individual bets throughout the tournament, but their price is not good enough to actually bet them to win the tournament, especially given the path. If England wins group B. They're going to play the runner up in group A, which is most likely Senegal. Incredibly favorable matchup for them. Then they're going to place then they're probably going to play France. Another, again, a matchup that we think that they can definitely win. And then they get to the semis where it's probably going to be any combination of Belgium, Uruguay, or Portugal. Again, another favorable matchup. So then you're getting to, the, to a final where you have a chance, obviously, to hedge. So, I do the international soccer rankings here at the Action Network. You can check them out. I have England rated as the number one team in the world. A lot of that has to do th- with the fact that if you look at transfermarket.com, they have the most valuable squad of anybody in this entire tournament. The attacking prowess they have with Harry Kane, Bukayo Saka, Mason Mount. They are one of the, the two or three best teams in this tournament, and I don't think they should be priced below Argentina and France. So... You know, it it sucks that Reese James, Kyle Walker, and Ben Chilwell are out. If like they were all in, I'd be like, oh my gosh, this England team is so good. But the reality is, is that England's a little low at eight to one in my opinion. So I do like them to win the tournament. Like you mentioned, Michael, favorites tend to win this tournament. You know, you go back to at least 2002. I'd imagine Brazil was the favorite uh, in South Korea and Japan, 2006. Italy was plus eight fifty. You go to 2010. It was obviously the peak of, of uh, the Spain's, you know, uh, era. And they were obviously the favorite to win that tournament. 2014 Germany was plus 850, And then obviously the last world cup France was the favorites at five to one. So the favorites do tend to win the world cup. So that's why I'm looking towards Spain and England. Cause I think their price just a little bit too lower than France or Argentina. I really think those two those should be above both France and Argentina. I do think the narrative has gone too far on England. Yes, it that. has. That's And that's the thing It's like, yeah, the, the media surrounding England is the worst of any team on the planet, right? Because they are so negative. Anytime anything bad happens, right? Even whether it'd be like, like they were calling for Southgate to get fired because of a couple bad Nations League results. Like, and that was the thing I was kind of playing into. I was like, okay, yeah, they haven't been good in the Nations League. But really what the Nations League is, is for managers to try out different tactics and see what works and what doesn't and to rotate players. It doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but it's also a good way to, it's almost like glorified friendlies. So I was hoping people would buy into that and we get England a better price. But yeah, I mean, the narrative around England is that they suck. They play horribly. Like they're going to lose. Like, you know, it's never coming home. Guess what? Football is coming home, Michael. (sighs) I think
2: on, on the flip side to the narrative has gone too far in them argument is that they played almost every game in the Euros at home. Right. Now they got to yeah. go to the desert. So I think that, that, that has to factor in when we, when we consider how good they were at the Euros, uh, they, they, they did go, I think they went on the road for one of their group matches and then it was against Ukraine. In. Right. And well, also they had the Scotland match. Right. So right. it was, uh, so they played one road match. Right. And then, or was that a home match against Scotland? I no, it,
1: it. I don't know. But well, either way it was, it was on the Island.
2: Right. Yes. And then they had, they had the one neutral site match in Rome and then they were back home for the semis in the final. So, I think that factors in like the conditions will not be that great for, for England necessarily all their Premier league players, not used to playing in 90 plus degree heat too often, which is the potential for this game, for this world cup. But I think, you know, I like Denmark to win that one group. So if you're looking at the path, then it gets very friendly for England if they're able to win the group in the world where they could see Senegal and then potentially Denmark in in a quarter final and a rematch of what we saw at the Euro semifinal, which, you know, England's clearly better than Denmark. So even though I'll be betting Denmark if that match occurs. So I, I see the case for England, but the number's not quite there for me. All
1: right, let's uh, let's let's skip down to Denmark and beyond, then we'll talk about some long shots. I think if you listen to our Groups no. E through H nope. uh, podcast, you'll know this. All three of us are pretty high on Uruguay. I think that Uruguay is the best bet in this range at 50 to 1. I talked a little bit in the group's A through D podcast about Ecuador and how I like South American teams to do well in these tournaments, because it comes down to a couple of different things. One, they go to really tough environments throughout their World Cup qualifying, which is incredibly hard. Conmebol is notoriously difficult. You go into places like Bolivia or or Colombia and, and playing in these really hostile environments. So I think that these teams should translate well into these kind of weird, adverse uh, conditions. The other thing is that these these are tournament teams like Copa America. Matters so much to every team on in South America. So they they play these tournaments, and whereas like the Gold Cup, no, do, do people care about the Gold Cup in, no. in in Concacaf? No, and yeah, the Euros are big, but that's at once every four years. So and the qualifying, nobody cares. Like Eng, England plays San Marino, it's not it's not a big deal, right? You're so there's so Harry many. Harry Kane inflates
0: his uh, goal right. <laughs> yes, record. Exactly.
1: There's there's very whereas in South America they just play a, a lot more meaningful games so i just think these teams are are, are kind of more cohesive in that. And, that and that bears out we'll see teams like like uruguay make runs obviously brazil and argentina are really good teams generally chile usually does pretty well when they you know qualify for for the world cup so just from like a narrative standpoint i like uruguay obviously the talent's there too like darwin yunez Fede valverde they should be well structured in the back our man Lara. Him and, him and memo Ochoa, man they'll just play in every World Cup from from now until the end of eternity in goal for for their respective sides. I just I like this team They're, they have Suarez and Cavani both of them they can kind of rotate Anthony talked about the conditions. you're not going to play 90 minutes of, of Luis Suarez every every uh, every match but you're, and you're not gonna do it with Cavani but you know like for like switch there. So there's just a ton of signals on this team as they take basically every box for a, a long shot that you want to back and their group is so manageable. Ghana, South Korea, Portugal, who we all uh, admit is a vulnerable favorite in the group stage. So the Sky Blues, I was going to try to pronounce it in Spanish, but my Spanish is terrible. Anthony, talk to me about Uruguay.
2: For a second, I thought you were going to talk about the other team you're betting when I said no at the beginning of this little rant, because I thought you were going to mention Stars and Stripes, which are, have oh, zero we'll get there. Cha- they have zero chance of winning the World Cup, zero, uh, but my long shot is also Uruguay. A lot of agreement. We talked about them. We gushed about how much we like them. I love Benjamin Kerr and Valverde. I think they're in great form. Yeah. I think that the biggest weakness for this team was the midfield, kind of just lacking at the last uh, you know, the last World Cup and then the and then you know, even the Copa. But they're a major positive regression candidate. They went through a huge finishing slump, still got through qualifying, extremely underrated. I don't think there's a huge gap between them and Argentina. I'm gonna be honest. So I, I think Uruguay is definitely undervalued. And the path is good if they win the group, which I think they're going to do. So if they win the group, you're looking at a pretty favorable round of 16 matchup. And then, I mean, at that point, yeah, the quarterfinals of the World Cup are going to be hard, but there's no reason they couldn't make a deep run. So I like Uruguay.
1: Yeah. And and I mean, that stuff doesn't really matter. You know, every World Cup's different, but they are a team that has the pedigree to get through. They normally get through the group. They're a really tough tournament team to knock out because it's the style that they played under Oscar Tabarez. He's gone now. He was there for 15 years though, and so many of these players played under him. So they should be able to manage games too in situations. So yeah, Uruguay for us. Bj, are you coming with us on the Sky Blue? Such a such a cool story too about uh, yeah. how this team, how this country just produces great te- players and teams. Three million people, really small country in South America, kind of at the foot of Brazil and, and above Argentina the lovable underdogs who who play a very dark art style of soccer.
0: Right. I mean, the, for what you get, with, you met, I mean, you hit the, the nail on the head, right? So Tabaris is gone. Diego Alonso came in after essentially it was a poor run of form throughout World Cup qualifying and, and also Copa America. And they just went on a run once he, once he got in charge. And and what Uruguay, what I also love about them with you guys is that they they're going to play a four, four, two, they have good structure defensively and they can sit back and they can counter a lot of these bigger sides. I mean, we had obviously, Darwin Dunez is starting to come on for Liverpool. Like he's averaging the most shots per 90 in Europe this season, which is quite impressive. You know, he'll play alongside Suarez. It'll be a good striking partnership. Valverde is probably the most informed midfielder in the entire world right now. He'll, you know, when we get to the player segment, he's one of the guys that like to win golden ball. But again, it's just a team with a really good structure, has a good path if they can win this group. And obviously, you know, if they if they don't, then it's then it becomes a little bit more. Uh, troublesome, but yes, at 50 to one, it's a good price on Uruguay. I also like Denmark at 30 to one. I think no matter the path, whether they finish first in group D or if they finish second, I think they're absolutely a live dog against Argentina. And then, you know, eventually hope probably will play the Netherlands or the United States. And (laughs) though, you know, against against the Netherlands, they'll honestly be only a slight underdog. So, and then from there, it's just, you know, like we already said, it's a team that's just very well drilled and playing together for a really, really, really long time. Knows what they want to do tactically, can pressure teams very, very well, can possess the ball, just a really, really good side. So at 30 to one, you know, the price maybe isn't, isn't that great, but again, if you want to look for a long shot, that's the most likely to win this tournament. It's Uruguay or Denmark would be the two. So yeah, that's, that's where I'm going.
2: I think for me, you know, the difference between Uruguay and Denmark is that And I love both teams, but I think Denmark runs into a wall at a certain point where they just don't have the high end attacking talent to win this. Whereas like, if you, you know, we'll talk about this in a minute. Like, I think Denmark is definitely uh, a high floor team that like can easily make the quarterfinals and I wouldn't be shocked at all, but can I see them beating two or three really great powerhouses with the lack of attacking talent? Like they'd have to really magic up some set piece stuff and they could do that. Like, they're very good on set pieces. It's another reason they get an edge over teams. But I don't quite see the attacking talent. Whereas with Uruguay, you can see a world where Darwin or Luis Suarez kind of you know carries. And and Darwin hasn't been great at Liverpool, but the underlying numbers are very encouraging for him there. Uh, and and also the conditions. I think, I think the conditions. Denmark kind of ran out of gas by the end of that of the end of that um, the end of the Euro run. Like they looked really just exhausted by the end of it they don't have as much depth whereas i think uruguay one the conditions are more favorable and two they have a little bit more depth in attack and in midfield so i think i see the case for uruguay more even if the path might be a little easier for denmark but definitely love uruguay
1: all right uh, let's talk about usa i think i wrote them down i think 150 to 1 whatever it's it's a homer Sabre. pick yeah it's a homer pick like why, why wouldn't we don't even you have a striker why wouldn't you want yeah, Ferreira? He, he's, well, we will do the US thing, rush. but
0: I really think they should just play Brendan Aronson as a false nine.
1: <laughs> Tim Weah. But I, I mean, I'm going to bet them just as a homer pick is, is what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's going to be a good bet, but uh, that's that's going to be another long shot up play. But let's skip ahead now to another way to play them. This is why BJ's playing them much more realistic. We'll look at some future bets to reach, you know, the final semifinals and quarterfinals. We'll start with the Yanks, BJ. They're plus 450 to make the quarterfinals. finals.
0: Lay it out. I, I like that bet. Obviously, I love them to get through here in Group B. We've already, we don't need to rehash the whole Wales thing from the last podcast. But if the most likely scenario for the United States is they finish second in Group B, which means that they have essentially a match against the Netherlands. And so you have to ask yourself, is the United States really going to be plus 450 on the two advance line against Netherlands? I don't see a scenario where that's happening. So really it's just a price point where if the United States, and obviously if they win the group, that's even better. They get a more favorable matchup against Senegal or Ecuador. But the reality is is that the United States, they have the talent, right? To at least compete in this tournament to potentially make the quarters for the first time. And I can't remember how long, but the matchup between the Netherlands is not going to be that great. But again, for me, it's just a price point thing. I think you're going to get to a good opportunity where you can have a, a ticket on the United States to make the quarters and a, a minus 250 ticket on the Netherlands to advance. And then you're just sitting there with, with house money. So that's the way I'm playing the United States. Not really saying that I like them against Netherlands, that they're potentially going to beat them. But I just think the price is way too high for what the potential, the worst possible potential matchup is for them in the round of 16.
1: Right, we, we already talked about Denmark. You like them to make the semifinals as well, five to one and a team we haven't touched on in this one, Switzerland, uh, another quarterfinal bet for you.
0: Yeah. And again, it's another path argument, right? Because if they finish second in this group with Brazil, which is what most likely is going to happen, they're going to play Portugal or they're going to play Uruguay. And it's, again, it's another price argument where there, I don't see a scenario where Uruguay or Portugal is going to be more than really minus 200 to advance For for Switzerland. And again, it's like we've already mentioned, it's a very well-drilled side that has been playing together for a long time, can sit in a deep low block, can do well out of possession. Granted, shock is in the form of his life right now. He's the 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 catalyst for their entire build-up play. They have good goalkeeping, good, good center backs and wing backs that, you know, maybe on a club level haven't been that great. But for the national team, they can get up the pitch, they can cause some problems, and they have a good striker in Breland Bolo. So Yeah, at plus 333 to make the quarters, given that, you know, essentially if they, and even if they somehow potentially win Group G over Brazil, you know, they get second place uh, in Group H. So really it's a matchup against Uruguay or Portugal where I do not think they're going to be plus 333. So I think you're going to have a great number and a good opportunity to hedge on the Swiss to make the quarterfinals. Anthony, you, we talked about Uruguay, so we don't need to talk about your bet about
1: uh, them making the quarterfinals. You like them at plus 240, but you do think the netherlands have some value here.
2: Yeah, I mean of course a lot of these bets are correlated. So if I like Uruguay 50 to 1 as my long shot pick and I'm naturally going to like think that they're undervalued to get to the quarterfinals as well because I think they're going to win that group, like win the group. You have to be kind of be careful with bankroll management, you know, you don't want to load up on Uruguay to win the group, Uruguay to make the semis, Uruguay to win the tournament and they lose one game and you're like shit, all those tickets are dead. Uh, w- one game they shouldn't at least. I, th- I just think Holland is not getting enough love here in the market for what I think is going to be a very favorable path for them to get through. They could, you could make an argument. They're the most informed team in all of Europe. That's kind of been the storyline going into this tournament is okay. All the European teams seem to be struggling. They're all in panic mode. England has its issues. Germany has its issues. France has injuries. Everybody's everybody's, going to just fold up shop. Men's will not even show up for the tournament. Holland is like the opposite of that. And I think that the lineup that they could put out there doesn't really have a clear weakness. And this is something we talked about on the group stage pod as well. Where's the weakness? Van Dyke is back. He didn't even play in the Euros. Uh, He'll definitely bolster the defense. Cody Gakpo is in the middle of an elite breakout season at PSV. One of the most fun players, young players in the tournament. Memphis Depay, we know we're getting consistent production from him. The fullbacks, Daley Blind, is a great passer. Frankie De Jong in midfield, great passer. Dumfries gets up and down the wing very effectively. And the biggest change since the Euros last summer, when I was not a Netherlands fan, is the manager. De Boer is gone; horrible manager. In comes Louis Van Hall. I don't think Louis Van Hall is you know a, a, a tactical genius or a savant of a manager, but I think he's a solid international manager who puts his best players on the pitch and knows how to set them up. And I think they're a very dangerous team. So you look at the path. I think their group is not easy. There's no, there's no gimme in the group. But they have a clear talent edge over all three of the teams. They win the group. They're likely to get what is generally a pretty mediocre second-place finished team out of Group B, which could be the U.S., Wales, Iran. We expect, even if it's England, even if it's England, it won't be. I think and they're not getting it through. Well, well, That's the worst case scenario, right? The worst case scenario is we're getting the round of 16 against England because either Netherlands slipped up in the group or England did one or the other. And even in that scenario, I think I will take my chances with the Dutch because I think that they are undervalued here. So they're minus 130 to get to the quarters. They're also plus 250 to get to the semis. You go a little further down the path and you're looking at who could they potentially play. Well, the same way we talked about how England's path was favorable, the Dutch could get a similar situation. They could get Argentina which would not be a great matchup, I don't think. But again, if you think the Dutch are undervalued, which I do, and I think they're a team on the rise, then it's worth a look to make the semifinals at plus 250 or just to make the quarters at minus 130. I already bet the quarters won, so I will be making that my official pick here, but could definitely see them going deep in this tournament.
1: I'm going to talk about Japan. They're 20 to one to make the semifinal. Let's say they finish in second place in their group which is also with Germany and Spain. So that feels like if they do get through, it will likely be in second. They would take on the winner of Belgium's group, which is could be Croatia, could be Morocco, could be Belgium. No matter what, like I think Japan could match up pretty well there and, and get through. And then if they, they win that match, likely it's most likely Portugal or Uruguay if there's an upset Serbia or Switzerland. I mean, it's the softest part of the bracket. And that's part of the reason we like Uruguay, right? Like, so if you like Uruguay, if they win that group and they get supplanted into this this quadrant, I think Japan is worth a, a sprinkle as well, just based on the path. We talked a lot about Japan in the preview pod, where we went through groups E through H. They should be a pretty dynamic counterattacking side. If they take on Belgium in 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 that first, you know, round of sixteen match, they should match up all right against them, a team that just can't defend their way out of a paper bag. And it's not even worth kind of, you know, projecting too much further past the round of 16, but Serbia, Portugal, Switzerland, I'll take it. Uh, Samurai Blue, man. We're going to be losing a lot of money on (laughs) Sky Blues and Samurai Blue this World Cup. Let's talk about some player futures now. That's out of the way. Uh, This is a reminder. last World Cup, famously, Michael Leboff nailed Luka Modric at 201 to win the golden ball. So we'll start with the golden ball. Uh, let's talk about the the last few winners. In the NHL, you never you don't win playoff MVP without winning the Stanley Cup. That's not the case in the World Cup. It's a fallacy. Luka Modric won it last year. He was eliminated in the final. Messi the World Cup before that final. Diego Forlan uh, out of Uruguay semifinal. Zinedine Zidane in 2006, even though he got kicked out of the final for headbutting. Uh, it was at Matarazzi final. He was he was a runner up. Oliver Kahn a Goalkeeper Anthony, he's before your time, but he was a goalkeeper for Germany. They lost in the final in 2002. 1998, I believe it was Ronaldo, didn't win. You have to go all the way back to 1994 USA to find the last golden ball winner to be playing for the team that won. So it's not the assumption is this is going to be correlated to what te- you know to a team going the furthest. It definitely helps, but it's not an automatic. I'm going to start though, and I want to start because I mentioned Oliver Kahn 2002. So we do see we have seen a goalkeeper win, and I like Jordan Pitford. 200 to one for England. Here's why I like Pickford. He's a shot stopper. He's like a manic goalkeeper. If he has like a big game, he's in your face. Like it looks like you're like, wow, Jordan Pickford made like seven saves today. He's diving all over the place. That kind of stuff could really like generate a narrative for him. And at 200 to one for team England, that they're going to be playing a lot of close games just given their conservative style. So we could see him, you know win them a, a penalty shootout like he did against Colombia in the last World Cup. So I think Pickford, just because of the style he plays, because of the team he plays for, makes sense as a as a goalkeeper long shot. I'll save my other two for later. We have some agreement in this market too, BJ, including one of your guys.
0: Yeah, well the argument for a goalkeeper is, you know, Dunarama just won player of the tournament at the Euros, right? So right. there's, you know, and like I already mentioned England. I and mean, think the best-
1: about the the I know this is not, this is a little apples to oranges, but the Champions League final, right? Mm -hmm. Who was the player everybody was talking about coming out of that? was Thibaut Courtois. It's not out of the question here. And like Pickford, like I I said, Pickford's style is just so brash and he, he really mm-hmm. does grab attention. So that's why I think at 200 to one, it's,
0: it's definitely worth it. Has nothing to do with the fact that he's a toffee either.
2: Hey, look,
0: he's in form. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's he is been like the best. He's been like the best goalkeeper in the premier league, like this year. If you look at post shot XG plus minus anyway. Um, yeah, I like Federico Valverde at 50 to one, uh, to win player of the tournament. You know, if you like, you know, if you're like, ah, like, I don't really know if I like Uruguay at 50 to one? Like, I mean, I don't know if I want to pay that price. Well then just pay. 50 to one on Federico Valverde. If you really don't think they're going to win the tournament, because you're not going to find a more informed midfielder that can score goals, can control the middle of the park, that can progress the ball up the pitch. And that when you watch essentially Uruguay, you're like, okay, what's the reason why Uruguay's here in the semis, or what's the reason why Uruguay's made it all all the way to the final? Well, it's because of Federico Valverde. I mean, he, has already scored what eight goals for Real Madrid this season in all competitions from and they're always from, bangers from, too from a, yeah, from a defensive midfield position. So it's the Luka Modric argument, right? Like Modric obviously was on penalties for Croatia, but he won it from the midfield position because of how much he how well he does in controlling the play, assisting others. And that's exactly what Federico Valverde can do at fifty to one. So I love him at 50 to one. Another one I like is Pedri at 50 to one, like one of the best, honestly, one of the best young midfielders in the entire world right now. If you think Spain's going to go deep, it's probably going to be because of Pedri. You know, he's he's going to be starting in the midfield. He's their main attacking role, supplier, creator for everything. And, you know, we'll get to the golden boot segment, but Spain doesn't have a lot of great finishers on their team. So you don't really have to worry about essentially a striker that's going to score, you know, five, six goals in this tournament. You might. Well, you, well, you might have to worry about it, but in case it happens. But really, you know, Pedri is the one controlling the ball in the middle of the pitch. He's supplying everybody. And if Spain goes deep and they wins it, I believe it'll be because of him. And I think he is their best player at 50 to one as well. And then just a a dart throw on Declan Rice at a hundred to one for England. If they win the world cup, you know, if you watch throughout the euros, you say, all right, who was, who was England's best player? Who was England's most important player on the pitch? It was honestly Declan Rice, the way he was able to control possession, control the tempo of the game, stop opposing counterattacks, I think at to one is a fantastic price if England's goal scoring gets kind of spread out like it did at the Euros where Harry Kane wasn't the one scoring all the goals. You know, it was Raheem Sterling scored quite a bit. So if England goes deep and their goal scoring gets kind of spread out like it did, that, that definitely brings in a scenario of, like you said, Michael, a Jordan Pickford, a Jude Bellingham, a Declan Rice, someone like that to potentially win the golden ball. So those are my three dart throws to win the golden ball.
1: Yeah, and that's probably you know how you should be playing it, right? Like, right. Messi's a favorite. He's eight to one. Neymar's eight to one. Mbappe's ten to one. Benzema's twelve to one. Kevin De Bruyne twelve to one. Kane sixteen to one. Along with Vinicius Junior, and then Ronaldo's twenty five to one. You're just gonna find the big the big names are all gonna be incredibly overvalued, and in they're also on betting. like
0: the be- they're on the best teams, right? So exactly. Somebody like somebody yep. like Neymar or Harry Kane or whatever. Look at the talent they have around him. Where it's not like. Oh my gosh, this is the guy. Like he is going to be the number one focal point of the team. Like there's nobody else on the team that I can even see potentially winning it. Like, no, like Brazil has a ton of talent. England has a ton of talent Messi, You can make an argument for, but seven to one is way too short to play it. Right. If, even if we don't like Argentina. So yeah, I agree.
1: The other two, I like Pedri, but I know you guys do too. So I wanted to just kind of move over one spot and take, I think Sergio Busquets at, at 80 to one. I don't know how much he'll play, which is a little concerning because he's a little older, but in that same kind of argument that th- this is a guy who's who can control a game, he's so elegant when he does it, very Luka Modric kind of style bet there. And I like Bernardo Silva. We talked about Portugal. I'd rather bet this than Portugal at 14-1 to 1 to win the World Cup. Because if uh, Portugal does go, you know, advance deep into this tournament, I think Silva will play a pretty big role because I don't think it's going to be the Ronaldo show. And he's a really good underrated player, I think. You saw how desperately Manchester City wanted to hold on to him. So 50 to 1 on, on Silva, who's all action, he's always involved in the box. He'll score. If they're going, he'll be on the score sheet. He'll be setting stuff up. He's a little magician. Anthony, who do you like here?
2: Yeah, Donnarumma was the player of the tournament at the Euros, but if a penalty shootout had gone the other way, could have been I, 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 I think it could have been Pedri. Ooh. Interesting. Because if Spain beats Italy we're having a conversation about how, and the only thing that's scary about Pedri is that he's so young, that he might just win young player of the tournament. They might just be yeah. like, Oh yeah, we'll give you that. <laughs> uh, that's my, I,
0: I like
1: and Manny too, because, and, and the same thing. It's like, I'm like, ah, is he, he'll yeah, just, they'll just give him the w- young is player. Is he
2: better at being young than, yeah, others, exactly. you know? <laughs> it's like, so same with I, I Valverde like, also. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. The thing with Spain though, is the whole narrative around Spain last year was it was the Pedri show and Pedri following in the line of traditional Incredibly ball playing, incredible on the ball, great passing midfielders—the NESs and the Shavies of the world—and I think it was there was—I forget what match it was—but there was a match where he had like 100% completion rate, and everybody was like, "Oh my god!" You should also consider Spain's path. They could very well be. They're going to play Germany. That's going to be a, probably the biggest high-profile match of the entire group stage. So Everybody will be watching it. Narratives are built on matches. People watch if they win that and advance. Or if they come in second, they're very likely to have a high profile matchup with Brazil potentially or Uruguay in the quarterfinals. Again, Spain Brazil will be billed as the two best teams potentially in the tournament, depending on how that breaks. Could also be like the match of the quarterfinals. And then they get to the semis. If they just even make the final, like who on Spain outperforms him to the point where he's not in the mix? So, yeah, I like Petri a lot. So I, I played him 50 to 1. That is the only golden ball ticket I'll probably have just because I like Spain and it's worth a few bucks. But Definitely, I see the case for Pickford. I, I think the key is to just kind of pick, build your narrative around how X team wins, and then right, who's the player that benefits from that? I agree with if it's or, England, or it's they don't even Pickford. have to win, yeah, it
1: just goes goes deep, right? Like right, who,
2: England Pickford makes the most sense because they're so conservative, and you know Germany is an interesting case. It's hard to make the case that there's going to be a player that kind of, and we have not talked about them. I feel like we're we're almost sleeping on them by not discussing them at all. But
1: when they win, who's we'll, the German
2: we'll look player? Really good. Who's the German player? I don't even know Kimmich. Like I guess Kimmich or Gundogan, right?
0: Yeah, Gundogan's on penalties, so you could make the argument there if he becomes, you know, he gets a couple assists, scores two penalties, and dominates the midfield. and Germany gets the young, final young
2: player of the tournament. Uh, Jamal Musiala will is have he a start. In
0: case I is he think he start?
2: will, I think he will start at least be, one. Game. A,
0: Germany is an interesting case because obviously you have Havertz, and you don't know who's going to
2: start too. Yeah, it's a problem.
0: Yeah, Mueller, Sane, and Gnarby. Like, yeah. Where does, where does he find his way into that squad? So right. yeah, Germany's, Germany's an incredibly interesting, you know, team and one that like for golden boot, I don't really see it. I can't play anybody that play anybody, anybody really. Cause Avertz has been on a bad finishing form for Chelsea. So yeah. And Timo right, Werner so- isn't there too, which sucks <laughs> yeah. because I was yeah. going to bet him for golden boot. No doubt. And you would have lost. I would have lost, right. but that's okay. We'll get to the, the best losing goal. Also, we best.
2: talked about Modric. We have to give BJ a shout out because he gave out Patrick Schick 101 last year at yeah. the
0: Euros. Thank golden God it wasn't, uh, it, the, the, that was described as top goal scorer and not Golden Boot because Ronaldo won Golden Boot because of assists. Right. Patrick Schick, unfortunately, is not in this tournament, but. Scoring from he's half with fields, us in spirit. He's piece. with us in spirit. He's, right. he's with
1: us in spirit. Let's yeah. talk about Golden Boot now. That was Golden Ball, which is given to the player of the tournament, MVP. Luka Modric is the defending champion. Golden Boot. Here are the odds. Kane, Harry Kane, 7 to 1 favorite. He won it last World Cup with six goals. That's Killian Mbappe. Did. Against is,
0: Tunisia and Peru. Yeah. Doesn't <laughs> matter. Killian goals Mbappe is,
1: is 9 to 1. Neymar, 12. Benzema, 12 to 1. Messi, 12 to 1. Cristiano Ronaldo, 16 to 1. That's where I'll stop there. Uh, here's the past winners. Harry Kane, like I said, six. The World Cup before that was a James Rodriguez show. He won it in nailing what world these set pieces from outside the box. He had six. Tomas Muller, still playing, still going strong. He's got one to his name in 2010. He had five. His fellow German, Miroslav Klose, 2006 won it on five. So you need five or six goals basically to get there, which means you're looking for someone who, yeah, you want them to be go, go deep, but it's not a necessity James was eliminated in the quarterfinals. So, but you also want someone who's going to play one or two soft matches in their group to, to pad their account, much like Harry Kane, I guess did mm-hmm. back in the last world cup. Golden boots, the golden boot. Yeah, for sure. I think there's a few here. We're all on, you know, BJ and I really like one guy in particular. We'll save him for later. I'm going to throw two names out to start. Gabriel Jesus, 35 to one for Brazil. Richarlison, was their striker for most of like world cup qualifying and then the Olympics, et cetera, but he's hurt. He should be back, but who knows how much he'll play. They should score a lot in their group, right? They should dominate a group that has Cameroon, Serbia and Switzerland. They should be scoring, you know, six or seven goals pretty easily to a game. It's like the floor. And I think Jesus is being a little underrated here. Cause there is a, a, a wealth of scoring options. I know like Neymar and Rafinha Vinnie jr. Like they're all there. So that, that is a knock against the bet, but it also causes the number to inflate. So I was kind of going between Vinny and Jesus and Jesus was just a bigger number. So I like the arsenal striker here, 35 to one. Another guy I like and held <laughs> Di Maria for Argentina. He's 150 to one. And it's a similar situation where I think like Argentina should be able to just dump like he there's, he's got a good chance where he'll to like bag two in a game in the group stages, Poland, Mexico, Saudi Arabia, they could beat Saudi Arabia six one and Di Maria could walk away with the game ball. Cause he got a hat trick. And you'd be like, you know, would you be that surprised? I know Leo Messi's on this team, Latoro Martinez, like there's a lot of scoring options here too, but Di Maria is 150 to one. The number's just too big. So those are my two favorite bets on the board. Outside of the one that Bj are talking about, which is my favorite as well,
0: Alvaro Morata fifty to one. Nah, uh, if to. you've been, oh. if you've been with us since the Euros, you know God bless you. Um, <laughs> but you know how much we loved Alvaro Morata at the Euros, and the argument is is that Spain was the best offensive team at the Euros. They've been the best offensive team throughout Euro qualifying. They're creating close to two and two point two expected goals per match. Luis Enrique loves himself some Alvaro Morata and he's going to be playing up top for Spain. So I get the striker on the best offensive team in the highest scoring group in this competition. I mean, Alvaro Morata, he almost won the XG golden boots at the Euros. He had 4.5 expected goals in five matches and yeah, he struggled finishing, but guess what? He's got five goals off of three expected for Atletico this season. So actually his finishing is starting to improve. So yes, if you think Spain is going to go deep, if you like them to win the World Cup, Alva Murata at, the, at a price of 50 to 1. And the reason why I Bet 365 is the greatest sports book in the world is you're not going to find a 50 to 1 anywhere else on the board for Alva Murata. So, yes, I am looking forward to watching Alva Murata miss chance after chance and lead this tournament in XG. But at 50 to 1, you have to do it. Like, you have to. And then a couple other dart throws. They're like uh, Minamino for Japan. Like if Japan's going to score a lot of goals, it's going to be because of Minamino. Now that Futurashi's not, you know, in the lineup, he scored 10 goals throughout World Cup qualifying. Like he is their, their main goal scoring threat. And again, like we say with these awards, you're going to want somebody who's on penalties. Alva Murat is on penalties. Minamino is on penalties for Japan. And Ike Gundogan is on penalties for Germany. Like he scored five goals throughout World Cup qualifying. And if Germany doesn't have an out and out striker, or we don't really know where, who's going to score all of the goals for Germany, like a dart throw at 151 on Gundogan in case Germany gets a couple penalties and maybe he scores a couple of bangers from outside the box. It's not crazy to think that he can win at 150 to one. So the way to play golden boot, I think for this tournament is really just dart throws. I don't really see any of the fate, Like I don't see any value in taking any of the favorites here. I think there's definitely a better path for a lot of the long shots. So those are me my dart throws for golden boot.
1: I'll be with you on Murata. Uh, yeah, I can be talked about into Gundogan. Pep Guardiola says he's the best player in the world at arriving late in the box as well. Yeah, uh, the only just, so just, the third man run merchant. Yeah, the argument.
0: Just, so the argument against Gundogan is that he has he's he plays a pretty attacking role for City because they obviously dominate a lot of possession. He has to play more defensive. So Kimmich can be kind of the balls spier and getting forward a little more. But again, if they're going to play Croatia and play Japan, they commit like Hansi Flick commits a ton of guys in attack. So it's not crazy to think that. They're going to commit essentially five, six guys up there. And he's going to be right around the box for some of those chances. And again, you obviously get the added benefit of him being on penalties too. I think we're going
2: to need five or six goals per game in the Spain, Germany, Japan, Costa Rica <laughs> yeah. get to group to cash all the tickets. We just mentioned <laughs> yeah. Alba Murata and a Gundogan
0: hat trick. And yeah, then Gunduan,
2: Mina, Mina, and Mina, maybe, maybe it'll be a dead heat between yeah. Murata, Gundogan and <laughs> Minamino. Uh, I wouldn't, yeah, yeah uh, they all have five goals coming out of the group, all against Costa Rica. Now, <laughs> yeah. I agree on the Maratta thing. The most interesting thing, okay, so who took the most shots at Euro 2020 played last summer? The top five number one was Danny Olmo, then it was the Italian trio Insignia, Immobile. The next person on the list after the Italian trio and Danny Olmo and, and Chiesa was Alvaro Maratta at 16 shots. He had the second most on penalty expected goals. Raz Sterling was number one, which I think is also interesting. But also you have to remember who was seventh on the list. It was Braithwaite Schick. After that, Gerard Moreno, who has not been in form and not been fit. If his minutes go down, that only makes more room, more chances, more shots for Morata. And you mentioned Luis Enrique and why he loves Morata so much. It's because Morata is so good at everything else. It's why he's a top class striker. He's so good at coming short linking the play combining receives a ton of progressive passes. I wrote about Spain in our preview team by team previews. And I talked about this Murata does so much well that you can get past his inconsistent finishing. Do I think he's become a plus finisher this year? I know BJ said that no, (laughs) but like
0: you can run hot for like a week and you can win the golden boot. So it's 50 to one. I mean, come on, he's on the best offensive team in this tournament. Yeah. So it is Murata or nothing
2: there for me. I'm a Murata. There's a couple other flyers BJ wants to talk about. There's one that I thought was interesting, which is uh, highest goal scorer on England at plus 700 is an interesting flyer. And I think it's interesting for two reasons. One, Sterling tends to kind of come in like a two-ish type. So England's biggest problem under Southgate is that they don't don't get enough. They don't get enough creation, right? So Kane his instinct and his tendency is to come short because he's such a good passer and distributor. He comes short or or comes deep rather and collects the ball away from the goal. And then the attack kind of suffers for it, but who benefits from that is the wide forward who plays to his left or to his right, which is Raheem Sterling. Most of the time we know he's banged on for minutes. We know Southgate loves him. He had excellent numbers last summer. He's been pretty good for Chelsea this year. And I don't think there's going to be a ton of goals in that group. So I don't think there's going to be high flying action with all these penalties and chances for Harry Kane to get his lead. So it's seven to one Sterling to be England's top goal scorer is an interesting wager that I will be betting because I I just think that the gap between him and Sterling and Kane is not as big in a group where you're not expecting a ton of wide open goal scoring and penalties. So that's my uh, potential angle there.
1: Uh, BJ, anything else for you in these kind of derivative markets to the golden
0: boot? Put me down for EK Goon top goal scorer for Germany as well.
1: Lovely stuff, gentlemen. All right, that will wrap up our tournament futures preview. A reminder, you can listen to our group deep dives, A through D, and then E through H uh, as well on the Wonderable channel. We'll also have a uh, special episode just looking at Team USA from a market perspective, their chances, etc., uh later on this week but until then for bj cunningham for anthony DeBundo, michael lee saying best of luck with all your bets